0: Welcome everybody, welcome back to the Financial Independence Europe podcast. Today we've actually got a pretty cool episode coming up with Brad from Choose a I. We're really going to focus on financial education and we just recorded it and an amazing discussion going with Brad and it personally actually quite touched me in the sense of how he approaches things, his philosophy and how we can use this. How was this for you, Araminta?
1: Yeah, we talk about how to financially educate your children and why just, you know, talking, normalizing money with them can completely change their life and their perspective on what they're going to do when they grow up. So a very uh, interesting episode, I think, for everyone. And yeah, hope you enjoy it.
0: Welcome to the Financial Independence Europe podcast,
1: where we interview people from all 44 European countries, all of them about optimizing your life, geo-arbitrage, and making the most of your money.
0: This was your hosts, Alvar, Ermenta, and Matthias.
1: Hello, everyone. Today we have a very exciting episode with Brad from Chooseify. Hello, Brad.
2: Hello. Thank you for having me.
1: And with me, I have my co-host, Alvar.
0: Hey, guys. Excited to be here.
1: Yeah, this is a very exciting episode. I've known Brad and Jonathan from Chooseify for a bit over a year now. I actually used to do the show notes for them and the tables have turned and we now have a podcast and are interviewing Brad. So it's very cool to be on the other side and talking about the subject of FI, which we all love talking about. And I actually met Brad in London and then in Edinburgh and it's pretty cool that we're able to do this. Uh, and Alvar is with me now in this room, so we're going to get pretty deep. And actually today what we really want to talk about is actually not choose a FI, but financial education itself. But before getting onto that, for those who don't know you, Brad, can you tell us a bit who you are, what you do, where you're from, etc.?
2: Sure thing. And yeah, I've got a big smile on my face because it was wonderful to meet you guys and to see you at the London and then Scotland meetups. Yeah, it was it was very, very cool. I did not anticipate seeing you after having only only known you uh, on the Internet. Right. So it's always cool to have these in real life meetups. But yeah, so I am Brad Barrett. I live in the U.S. I actually live in Virginia, uh, though I grew up outside of New York City and lived most of my life there until I guess about uh, 13 years ago. My wife and I got married and we just decided that we couldn't make the life that we wanted in New York and on, on Long Island specifically. And It was one of those moments, this was pre-fi, pre any of this. And we just said to ourselves, this is not the life that we want. We're always going to have to give something up. And that's just not good enough for us. We knew we were going to have kids someday. Who knew when, right? We were only in our mid-20s then, but we knew at some point we were. And we didn't want to both have to work nine to five plus long commutes both ways and not see our future like fictional kids at that point, you know? And so that was a big inflection point in our entire lives and certainly in our five journey. I mean, I think that kind of geographic arbitrage has made all the difference to us. It's uh, down here in Virginia. It's a wonderful place to live. And it costs about a third of what it would have cost us to live in New York. So that just by itself made a huge difference. And yeah, I mean, I guess at this point, I, I'm known for being one of the co-hosts of the Chooseify podcast, and it's been around for about two years now, and it really is the project and the mission of my life at this point. It's been just a remarkable journey to see how it's grown. And now we have these these local groups, which is actually where the London meetup started. We have Chooseify London, we have Chooseify Richmond, Virginia, and New York, and I don't know, in, I think it's 25 different countries and hundreds of different cities where people are getting together and having these in real life meetups. So that to me is one of the most exciting aspects of it. And frankly, I just like podcasting. It's, it's something that I didn't know I would enjoy. I always grew up. I, I had this fear of public speaking. And now here I am as a podcaster. So, yeah, that's that's kind of my background story. I guess I reached financial independence or, or I left my corporate job almost five years ago. And yeah, I'm just at the point now where I I work out of my house. I work on this podcast and and I have reached financial independence.
1: Uh, that's that's what I love about uh, what you're telling us is that you kind of were already on your path to FI before even discovering FI. And I always find that really interesting. And later on t- uh, in, in today's episode, we'll, we'll touch a bit on that through, uh, you know, financial education from your parents. I, I'm just out of curiosity, were your parents financially like uh, aware of what they were doing or was it just?
2: I think it's one of those instances where not that they were terrible because they really weren't, but they weren't overly aware so i think my brother and i actually looked at them and said okay they made a pretty good salary and and we had a wonderful life so i mean believe me like i feel bad even remotely saying anything negative about them cuz they gave us just the most wonderful upbringing that we could hope for and really i i'm very very fortunate and I, and I never lose sight of that but i think because they did make a decent income and didn't save oodles of money like we we kind of Always looked at them and said, "Like, I don't know if they really are doing it right." And, and again, that was from the perspective of being a kid. But I think, I think in life, you look at your parents, and you either say, "And this is probably in, in everything, certainly not just money." But wow, I really want to do that exactly like them, or they provided a good, a, a good example, or wow, I really learn from them, but want to go the opposite way. And certainly I'm much more towards the latter. Again, they were not terrible by any means, but I looked at them and said, you know, saving is a real priority for me. And I think I'm going to do something differently. And it's interesting, actually, my brother was just recently on my podcast. He actually is a an international teacher. So he teaches math in Santiago, Chile. And he also is similar to me. Again, he, he almost echoed the words, which is my parents didn't do anything wrong, but I just knew I wanted to do something differently. So it, it's cool that my brother and I have both kind of followed the five path for the last 10 to 15 years.
0: Okay, wow. And I also found the episode with your brother, I listened to it last week, pretty interesting. And the comparison between the teacher, it's like they're going for the high class version down in South America versus Southeast Asia. It was a really enlightening episode. And... On one interesting note, actually, I found a ChooseFI group in Belgium as well, popping up a couple of weeks ago.
1: Nice, wow, that's cool.
0: Yeah, and that's the first Dutch-speaking uh, <laughs> part, I guess. Uh, but to <laughs> get <laughs> to get back to it. Oh, that's
2: top, fantastic news.
0: Right? Well, yeah, Brett, I'm really curious about what does financial education mean for you. Like, how do you define, view, uh, and view it? Like, how would you summarize it?
2: Yeah, that is a really great question. And and actually, financial education has been at the top of my mind, certainly the last couple of months, if really the last couple of years, but, but the last couple of months specifically, because we kind of mentioned this in passing on Chooseify, but we are forming a not-for-profit foundation, actually, that is going to focus on financial education, because of course, I can't speak for for your countries or the rest of the world, but I I can speak for America. And I I think most likely this would transfer. There is virtually no financial education at all here in America. And it's, it's really, it's almost criminal in the sense that it's such a fundamental and foundational aspect of your life, right? But you learn almost nothing. I mean, even down to what are taxes? How do they impact you? How do they come out of your paycheck, how to balance a checkbook if people even still do that or just look at your online banking statement and have any sense of what's going on, right? Like people get out of college and in a perfect world if they, they have a job and they don't know anything. They don't know what to do, right? They've gone their entire lives making virtually no money and now all of a sudden they're making a salary and what do you do? So again, it, this is one of the most important things that we can focus on just as people specifically and as the phi community generally, right? So to me, I think it, it starts, like the way that I'm looking at it is, and I know we're gonna talk about this at the end of the podcast, is with my kids and my family and just trying to give them a sense of, hey, finances exist. Because as kind of silly as that sounds, so many parents don't talk to their kids about money at all. I mean, not in the slightest sense. So kids are blissfully unaware. They have no understanding of money at all. Or are my parents okay? Are we saving any money? Are we one, I don't know, broken car or broken whatever engine away from the financial abyss? And of course, kids aren't thinking on that level, but like security is really important. And just having some sense of finances and that it's going to be okay, like, that's kind of like the background of what my wife and I have have done with our children. So that's kind of on the very micro level. But I think on the macro level, you look at education and you say, think about all the things you learned in school, in high school, like all the, I mean, I I love math, don't get me wrong, but like some of the things that I learned about sine curves and cosines and, and, you know, all this other stuff, like I will never use that. But yet I use financial information on a daily basis. And when you have your finances, right? And I think, guys, this is, this is how I look at financial independence generally, is that FI is kind of like this umbrella of kind of life optimization, like of just, and that's a fancy way, uh, like a choose FI way of saying, like just living a better life, right? If you have the finances down, then everything else gets easier because you have that space. You have that mental space to say, oh, now I can focus on my relationships and my health and what I'm eating and living longer and being happier, right? Like all these things that are fundamental to being a human being. Most people can't even get outside of their day-to-day lives because they're so worried about their finances. So, you know, I know this is a very long-winded answer, but it's just so, so fundamentally important that we get financial information out there.
1: This is really uh, hitting home because, and I'm literally nodding as you're speaking. Alvar is, is looking mm-hmm. at me here because my my own personal blog, Financially Mint, is literally based on exactly what you're saying. And and with my blog, my aim is to help other young people realize how important finances are. And when you're young, especially in university, you don't want to care. You want to worry about other things, and you don't realize that it's the early you worry or the early you fix it. The the better, because you won't have to sort it out when when you're older. And this is what financial education comes down to. If we start even when they're what five years old, the younger, literally, the better. I really feel that we need to start with financial education as soon as possible, because exactly as you say it, the sooner you sort it out, the more mental space. And, and our co-host Matthias uses the word headspace, which I really like. And the more headspace you have for the the stuff that really matters the more you're in control of your money, the more you can put your effort into other stuff, you know, like actually enjoying your life, for example. So I really love uh, that you put a lot of emphasis on this. And this is what we really want to focus on in this topic is how can we financially educate our children? Because we can't rely on the education system. That's so scary and so hard to realize. So we can't rely on the, the current education system. So how, how do we do it with our own children?
0: For me, this also really hits home in the sense that I never truly had any financial education from my background from my parents. I kind of had to learn it all on my own. And through that kind of like what I've seen the last years through financial independence, what I've seen other people do, and parents actually raised their uh, children in a financial yeah, minded, a strong way, what it can do for them and how hard it is if you have not got those core skills, this core education from your parents head, how hard it is to actually get it there yourself, how many books you have to read, build a grid to work, to save. It's so much
1: easier if your parents just teach you. What is your take on that, Brad?
2: Yeah, I completely agree. And yeah, for me, I, I look back on my financial education and there really was very little, but I just think about... These couple of inflection points and I just got lucky ultimately, which is really not good enough, right? Like having your entire, the way your entire life is going to work out based on luck just doesn't seem to make any sense to me, right? So like I had an internship at a, I don't know, a brokerage firm at that point as it's kind of crazy as that sounds based on like my current thoughts of financial advisors and such, but, but this was one of those lightning bolt moments where I looked at a compound interest calculator and just that one thing sitting down at this guy's computer and he said, just play around with this. And probably that is the, maybe. I mean, maybe one of the top 10 most important moments of my entire life, as crazy as that sounds, right? I sat there and just messed around with it and said like, at that point here in the US, we have retirement vehicles called like IRAs. So it was a a Roth IRA, And I was putting in like three or $4,000 a year from the time I was 19, which is what I was then until who knows, like 70 or 80 or something like that. And, and saying, okay, if this thing grows at 10%, by the time I turn a hundred, it's going to be worth like a billion dollars, which I mean, I don't have the exact numbers down, but it was something not all that far from that. And my mind just melted. Like, how is that possible that you could put in $3,000 a year and it'd be worth a billion dollars, like within a lifetime. But that's compound interest. And and of course, don't fact check me on the exact numbers, but it was something astronomical. Yeah. So that was one. And also when I got out of college and I started my first job, there was this guy who, you know, at that point I was 22, he was maybe 24 and he had saved every dollar he had to buy a house. At that point, it was that crazy housing market here in the U S and his house then in the, in the next year, like, I don't know, went up by like a hundred thousand dollars or something insane like that. But but the point was save every dollar to buy an asset, right? So like that, again, is another stroke of luck. If I didn't meet that guy, who knows what I would have done with my money? Maybe I would have bought a, a BMW and an expensive house as a 23-year-old kid, right? But what I did was I lived at home and I saved 90 plus percent of my money. So again, it's just these, these little inflection points, but like that is not good enough. And, you know, I'd love to ask you guys a question of, you know, you're saying on your blog, Financially Mint, which is a great name, by the way. Like you are trying to educate people of your generation. What have you found actually makes an impact on them? Because many of these people are like the three of us on this call. We had virtually no financial education growing up, but but what actually gets through to people? I think that to me is the biggest aspect of education that like, I can't exactly figure out. Like I can't figure out on a macro level. If I give this message, it's going to reach Ninety percent of people, or even twenty percent of people, like what have you found very specifically that's worked?
1: That's really interesting that you say that because actually I haven't. I don't get a lot of views on my blog. That's the thing. I don't actually have that big of an audience. This is more of a hobby, and I know exactly what you're talking about because my friends who are my age, I tell them, you know, read my blog. Uh, (laughs) You should do this. Uh, ISA is the is the equivalent of an IRA in the UK, and it's basically the same. You can put in twenty thousand a year tax free. And I'm like, open up your ISAs, put in as much money as you can. And and most of the time, no one does anything. And it's totally normal because they don't realize how important it is. Uh, me personally, it was a book that changed uh, my life. Everyone's heard of it, Rich Dad, per Dad. A few of them, a few of uh, my friends, I have gotten through. One of them, I brought him to a FI meetup in Barcelona and it changed his life pretty much. Another one, I gave him a book and he was like, oh my God. Another one, maybe just a single article, because that's the thing about it's for every person, it's different. And you have to figure out what it is for them that's going to make them realize how important it is. It could be a film, it could be a book, it could be an article, it could be meeting someone who's already financially independent and that person telling them, you know, you can do it too. So it's different for every person. And that's why it's so hard, as you're saying, to figure out what's on a macro level, what's going to work, because it's different for every person. And if they didn't have the right upbringing, it's going to be harder. And that's what I, I don't know. What do you think, Alvar?
0: I really found that with most people at first, it has to go really, really wrong until they get what <laughs> that's works. That's depressing. And yeah. by wrong, I, I mean, in terms of student loan, in terms of losing a job and not having an emergency fund, um, that's the moment when they realize this doesn't work. I need to make changes. At the same time, I've had a couple of chats with friends where a one-on-one and showing them numbers, showing them a couple of articles and books, really helped them To get an understanding of like, hey, if I just go through these simple steps, it's not that difficult. It's not rock and science. I can actually change up my life. But with most people, like... Who are not financially savvy yet, it really first has to go wrong often until they can really get out of that hole.
1: And that's literally unacceptable because, no, I mean, then you just ruin, they have to ruin their life in order to be financially educated. We don't want that either. That's how
0: the system is set up. It's rigged from the beginning. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. No, we certainly, certainly don't want that, obviously. But like what, what I've seen, I guess, on the micro level. So, you know, we're talking about success on the micro level, I guess. I look for people in my life who, who express some type of interest. I, I guess it's a little skewed in fairness now that I'm Brad, the podcaster. So I guess people, people do understand that, but let's even rewind a couple of years ago and just say like, not everyone is awake to this. I don't know. I hate to call it a, a lifestyle saving money. It sounds so ridiculous that, that that's considered a lifestyle, but like most people are just kind of going about their business and they like spending their money. and And that's that like I know I, I kind of asked you the question on, on the macro level, but I've realized that I can't reach 100% of the people, but maybe I can reach 10%, right? Like that's not an unbelievable goal. So what I do is I look for people who talk in just any way at all about saving money or cutting a coupon or, oh, we got a great deal on this or oh, I, not that this is a topic all that often, but like I put money into my 401k or even just like at work, if someone mentions a 401k, like, and that's the, the retirement vehicle here in the US through employers. So, so few people talk about money at all that like my ears are always open for anybody talking about it. And then I know like, okay, that's somebody who maybe is open to having a conversation about this. And like, I don't view certainly Phi as like a crazy cult or anything that I have to like get people into our message or our lifestyle. Like, I just know that this is something that can help dramatically as it's helped make my life better than I could have ever imagined. I mean, my wife and I, it's Friday at two 30 PM. And I asked you guys to postpone this recording because we wanted to go out to a new brewery and restaurant at 1130 for, for lunch. And like, that's our life now. Like, I mean, what a crazy world that like, that I get to do this just because from the time I was 22 until like 35 or 36, which in the grand scheme of things is a very short period of time, just because I saved money. And I didn't, it wasn't like I lived a terrible life. You know, I lived what I thought to be a great life. I was just a little bit smarter. And it set myself up for the next five or hopefully six, seven, eight decades of this incredible financial independence. So I think when we're talking about education, like it's so important to know that like, I know I'm coming from this place of just genuinely wanting to help because just by saving money, like it sounds so weird that that one little tweak can change your entire life, but it truly, truly
0: can. So Matthias, have you ever talked about dividend stocks, Estonian companies or a frugal you are on the first dates or with one of your colleagues? I tried it once with a colleague and he said, dividend what? Uh Aha, do you know, I actually have a retreat that covers this all. Oh, tell me more. So this retreat, it's all about workshops and talks together with like-minded folks who share their knowledge with you. Oh, sounds awesome. Do you have also barbecue, yoga and surfing? And are we able to have a glass of wine? Actually, yes, we do. That's all together combined in Portugal. But the most important question of the day, when is this actually? Will it be in 2019? It's actually in 2019, at 24th of May to 27th at Agave in Portugal, near the ocean. And we have also a pool for people who don't like nature. That actually sounds pretty good. And then where do I find this? Head over to financial-independence.eu slash retreat. That's R-E-T-R-E-A-T. So yeah, winter's shit. Looking forward to it. Okay, Brad, thank you so much for that. And what you say, it's in the end, it's about simple choices. It's not hard. Follow a simple path and you get there in the end but we would really like also to backtrack a bit now towards uh, your own approach in terms of financial education. So, Brad, were we also really curious about, um, how do you educate your own daughters? We know you've got two kids of seven and ten. How do you approach it? How do you teach all this wisdom towards them?
2: Yeah, that's a great question.
0: And yeah, as
2: you said, I, I have two young daughters, but at this point, they're they're not quite so young anymore, which is hard for me to believe, honestly. It seems like just yesterday that they were born, but I mean, they're getting to be the point where my older one is going to be in middle school next year. She's going into, into sixth grade here in the US and financial information and just anything about finances, right? Just spending money. Like this is going to become part of her life. Like, hey, my friends want to go out to a movie and, and dinner. Like that's going to cost... Thirty dollars, right? Like she has to be aware of of finances now, and and that's just a, a silly example, of course. But just the sheer fact that that this is becoming part of her life, and not just part of our lives, you know, overseeing her financially, she's going to become her own independent being as far as money goes. And I think we're not going to micromanage her and watch her like a hawk and, and make sure she spends every dollar, right? Like, that's not our intention at all. Like, I don't think that makes for a happy, well-adjusted human being, not less a child, but just a human being for life. Like, it just, people have so many psychological money issues and, and that is not something that we want to impart on our children at all. So what we've tried to do is basically what we've tried to do with ChooseFI is, and, and this entire FI message is kind of make it part of normal life and not make it seem weird to talk about, right? So as kind of obvious as this sounds, guys, like just talking about money in the house has made a big difference because we include them in decisions, right? And we also include them, like I get back from a, uh, a Camp Fi. We have these little weekend retreats here in the US and it was in Florida. I came back to Virginia on Monday and, and my little one, my seven-year-old, came up to me. and was like, daddy, daddy, you wouldn't believe what mommy got at Costco, which is this big box store. And she listed all the things and she's like, guess how much it cost? It was only $94 and mommy had a coupon. And like this little pipsqueak of an adorable little girl was just so happy. Like you should have seen her face. And like, she's talking about it being $94 and a coupon. Like who, what other kid even has the context for what that means, right? Like They really don't. So just by the fact that we bring them into, hey, like, you know, they understand that we are reasonably well off financially, but that we still try to save money and we don't spend money needlessly. So I think like these type of conversations are just important, just having them in the house. And again, like, we don't sit down with like our net worth sheet or like how much money we're making this year and go through it with them, but they're seven and 10, you know? Like I suspect by the time they're 13 and 16 or 14 and 17, something like that, like maybe we will start having those conversations because you know what? Here comes college, right? And in the US, unlike the rest of the uh, civilized world, college can destroy you financially for the rest of your life. So as, as crazy as that sounds, again, probably to your guys' ears, like it can ruin you to the tune of hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt that you basically almost can never get out of. So like we need them, not just want them, we need them to have a very strong financial footing and understanding from an early age. But again, like it needs to be age appropriate. I think that's an important factor.
1: I love what you're saying. Just make it something normal. But I would also add, talk about money from a positive direction, because I think both Oliver and I can say that our families, my family, uh, talked a lot about money, but it wasn't always positive. And too many times I heard my parents saying, we don't have enough money. Uh, no, you can't buy this because we don't have enough. And there was a lot of fights over money. And I, me and my brother would hear this. And this has, it has made me aware of money, but it has also made me, I don't know, very like... Not exactly frugal, but it's hard for me to spend now because I always remember those times when we, ha- we were in financial difficulties and it wasn't that long. It was only a few years, but that really sticks with you as a child. I think, Alvar, you can also test, like s- say that, right? You were brought up in, in like a now, what tell I'm me yourself. R-
0: really recalling is how much money was spent and nothing was actually saved. And when I came home from a side job, but like a couple hundred euros saved up, it was seen as weird if I wouldn't spend it. Oh, okay. That's um great i just th- that principle of me wanting to save and being frugal that it was weird or not normal yeah um, that was not normal yeah it, it, yeah and that difference and i hope we can do better than that i hope we can do yes. better as parents for <laughs> sure
1: yeah but but I, as you say i love what you're saying make it something normal and also i would add with a positive light so that the person or, or your children do not when they think of money they don't go "Ooh," you know
2: no, that's brilliant. That's absolutely brilliant. And and we've, we definitely have tried to make it positive, but also just tried to make them understand that, that you have to make choices in life, that that money isn't endless, right? Even again, we are in a fortune position where we do have assets and, and we are comfortable financially, but that doesn't mean we go out and spend money and don't think about it. So I think just, again, it's that normalizing of the conversation of, Hey, there are decisions you have to make in life. And that's a reality whether you have very little money or you have a fairly decent bit of money, right? Like you have to make decisions. And I think we've tried to put that on them to a large degree. So even though they are young kids, we, we don't want to govern every single thing they do financially. So what we do is we give them we give them money every week, I guess, you know, we call it an allowance, but like, they're not, they're not doing chores per se, like to earn it. It's, and though it's, many parents do it that way. And and I have no problem with that. It's just the way that my wife and I have decided that we want to teach them about money. And I, that's the important part for us. So what we've done, and this is like a, a popular strategy that I'd, I'd read in a book. So we certainly didn't come up with this by any means, but we basically, we give them I don't know. It's like $6 a week or something like that. It started less than that, but let's just let's go with that cuz it's easily divisible. So, we have them split it up into three different buckets and they actually have physical buckets where they put the money into, okay? So, they put 50% of that, so $3 into the savings bucket. And then it's actually their decision, honestly, of $2 in the spending bucket. And $1 in the give to charity bucket or vice versa. So they might, you know, it's their choice to put two into charity and then one into spending, or ultimately they can put it wherever they want it. Honestly, guys, like if they wanted to put all six into saving, they could do that. But, but honestly, like, I don't think that's the greatest lesson because realistically you have to spend money, right? So I think my older daughter, her inclination would be to put all of it in, in saving. We try to counsel her not to do that. But again, at the end of the day, we want this to be her decision. So if she decides to do that, then she decides to do that. But I think by setting that frame of, okay, A, you're gonna spend money and there's nothing wrong with that, right? To your point, like, don't make it negative. Don't make it about deprivation, right? Don't make it about fighting. It's, you're gonna spend money. That's a perfectly normal part of life. But if you start your life saving 50% of your income you are going to succeed no matter what, right? Like people here talk about like, oh, how you're investing and what are you doing and what funds are you in and all this other nonsense. It all doesn't matter if you save 50% of your money or more. Like you could screw everything up. And believe me, I've made big mistakes in my life investing, but I don't look back at them with sadness or anger because I know the important stuff I've gotten right. And the important stuff is A, being happy, right? Like that's trying to live a good life. And B, financially, it's saving your money. If you can do that, you can screw everything else up and still be fine. So I think like, guys, that's probably the most important lesson that we can impart to our kids is that understanding that saving money is the very first thing that you have to do.
1: I love that. And um, and I, I like that you gave us your your strategies to educate your children. We don't have children, but I'm sure a lot of our listeners do. So, you know, if you're trying to educate your children and you don't exactly know how to approach it, I think buckets can be a good uh, method. I think that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, I'll try that out. And to flip it, flip the question around. And I, this personally, I'm very interested because I focus on this a lot on my blog. Would you want your children to reach financial independence?
2: Oh, that's a good question. So would I want them to reach financial independence like through me like before they have to work or do I want them to go after financial independence
1: exactly so would you want them to go through the same journey that you did you know go to university get a high paying job cuz you're an accountant right get yes. a high paying job save a lot of money invest retire early or and this is my personal opinion so yeah. I'm curious to hear what you 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 think about this
2: yeah that is a great question i i have to say i've never thought about it this this significantly or, or specifically. I think I definitely, I do want them to, to reach financial independence. So I have to say, I'm, I'm a little bit nervous now of what your, what your other alternative is. Cause I've, I feel like I might be missing it entirely, but yeah, I mean, I, I personally do not feel that I've lived any type of deprived life. I think that's what a lot of people from the outside looking in might say of, Oh, to save that kind of money and to retire at 36 or 35, whatever it is, like, wow, your 20s must have been terrible. And like, I don't think that way at all. So I think I didn't really do anything that special. Because that's the funny thing here is like, at the end of the day, like, I don't think what I did was all that extreme. So I grew up, I did really well in school, I went to a a great university, I got a good job. And I did quite well in my career. Like, I wasn't like I was a superstar. I wasn't on fast track to be the CFO or a partner at my firm or anything but I did rather well it wasn't like I was kind of putting in half effort because oh I'm going to reach five it was it was somewhat mentally stimulating and challenging though somewhat I would say and I did the best that I could right so like I don't I don't know that I necessarily gave up anything in that regard and I think what it's afforded me again is this this amazing life that now from I'm 39 now but really I left my corporate job at 35 and I have a, who knows? Like I said earlier, maybe six plus decades of of this life to live and live it on my own terms. I think that's that's what's so beautiful about phi, right? Is that like we actually have freedom to do what we want, and certainly, and again, I can't speak for for Europe or et cetera anywhere outside of the U.S. But like, it's really hard here in the U.S. I mean, people work like crazy, and they're just so tied to their jobs. And I don't know, like their entire life is wrapped around like, oh, I'm the VP of this company or something. And like, that just never made any sense to me. Like I have so many outside hobbies and goals and things that I want to do with my life that like, why would I want to spend it at a job? So anyway, getting back to your question, that's a long-winded answer of, of course, I want that for my kids. Like to me, like I would actually turn your question around and say like, do I want my kids to work at all? Like, or is it spoiling them to maybe make them financially independent? And I don't think I'll be at this point where I could do this, but, you know, by the time they're 20, but to make it so that work is optional for them. Like, what if I was wealthy enough that work would be optional for them? Would that be a better life or would that be a worse life? I I don't have an answer, but like, I don't think that at least for me, that like work is something to look forward to necessarily. So anyway, I, I've been talking for about five minutes here straight. So I would love to hear both of you guys respond to that.
1: So the reason I ask you this is because this is a huge dilemma of mine. You know, personally, I'm, I'm 20 right now. And do I want to get a high paying job as soon as I can, save as much as I can and retire as soon as I can? Or do I want to skip the whole university thing and go directly to doing what I want. So, okay, it sounds very basic and easy, but instead of, you know, trying to build up my life to then be free, let's just say, why don't I directly work my life around doing what I want, be flexible already. And and you actually talk about this. There is an episode with Paula Hunt. I, I love her very much from Afford Anything. And it's really called The Paradox of Phi, where... The more you work towards reaching it, the more you adapt your lifestyle to, you know, enjoying life and the less you have, you know, that need to reach financial independence because you're okay as you are. And this is really what my goal as a 20 year old is, is that I don't want to be in a rush to reach fire. I don't want to be working long hours. Okay. Maybe not working long hours, but I don't want to be, you know, waiting until that moment that I can finally quit. I want to be, you know, just enjoying the ride. Uh, obviously, easier said than done. And it means that maybe I need to sacrifice a few things and, you know, you have to also figure out what you want. But I personally would rather encourage my children to figure out what they really want rather than, you know, send them to university and then a job and then, you know, but it depends. Maybe it's a culture thing. I don't know. What do you think?
2: No, that's a great question. Yeah, I guess I, I, I didn't think about it on that level. And yeah, you're absolutely right. Like Nobody wants to wish away... 15 years of a life, right? Like, and that's your point, I think entirely, which is, is that the right overall life? Was my path that, that way, or would it have been better had I assumed the mentality of phi at a much younger age and lowered my expenses and then just brought in enough income to cover that. And and I'm I'm not putting words in your mouth obviously. I, I still very strongly suspect you're going to save money and and all that stuff. But yeah, I mean if you can can live life based on okay, what does a happy life look like for me now? It probably doesn't cost that much and you don't have to delay 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 until you reach that point of five. So, it's not like a like a binary 0 or 1. And I think I think this probably would be like my strongest point in support of what you're saying is like it's not not FI or phi. Those are the only two options, right? Like this is a path to FI and it's a continuum where in my opinion, at least like every step you get closer and every step that you're more aware of what a happy life looks like for you, then you're accruing benefits to you and you're accruing whatever you want to call it. I, you know, I keep using the happiness word that's just kind of a catch all, but you're getting yourself closer and you're also understanding what a life looks like for you, right? So again, like so many people just put their head down. And like you said, they work long hours and they wake up and maybe they're fi, right? Woohoo, I reached my goal, but then I'm unhappy, right? And that is so cruel. Like that is not the goal at all. Like if that's what some people are doing, thinking like this is paradise once you reach Phi. That's not it at all. Nothing is going to change. You know, our our mutual friend, Brandon from the Mad Scientist, like he talked about this many times, like nothing changes to you internally. And guys, I can't stress how important this is because it's all about how you feel about yourself, right? Like that's life to a large degree comes down to your own internal mental state. And I can promise you nothing changes the day you reach financial independence. Nothing at all. So if you had been delaying all that time trying to reach this paradise without doing any of the hard internal work of what makes my life good and what will make my life better for the next 70 years, then you missed it entirely because you're going to wake up and say, I reached my goal, but I'm freaking miserable. What do I do now? Right. And then it's a catastrophe.
0: But that can also be so hard making that change from saying not having the best financial education having the idea of like kind of like a scarcity mindset i need to save as much as possible get out of this and changing your mind from hey i'm just going to work 15 years straight save everything i got and retire then versus also trying to enjoy the journey as much as possible that's something i'm doing personally i've always been really really extremely frugal as a student in terms of saving but at the moment, uh, trying to more like follow the path of mini retirements. Mm-hmm. So essentially still save 50 to 80% of my income, but save this up, invest it, get enough passive income going to probably within the next two years, take a nice mini retirement in between and organize it like that. It doesn't have to be one shot of 15 years of saving. You can go the route of I'm going to organize my life this flexible and the way I want it. So I just will already live my five life. And we'll get to the end a bit slower. Or might take kind of over this, use corporate jobs to save the initial cash, um, get passive income going, but don't deprive yourself of 15 years of the best parts of your life. Transition into a mini retirement. After that, maybe come up with a great business idea, maybe even something else, but don't delay it until the very last moment. Because I think if you don't become aware of that during the journey, the end when you actually reach, as you already said, Brett, it's going to be really sad. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then when you actually retire and
1: that's why at the end financial education for your children is so important because the sooner they realize that it's not life is not all about a job and maybe even retiring early as soon as they realize that that they can be in control and they can actually they could choose to do whatever they want in life as long as they have the money part you know figured out as soon as they realize that you know i'd say they've got it figured out that's what i think in a way
0: and a positive link you mentioned earlier because obviously good core habits of saving are amazing but money is a tool money is something yeah, positive a tool. if you teach your kids that and they can actually use that and work and live with that mentality they'll have an amazing life
1: yeah you're literally giving them the best thing you could which is just an amazing life oh wow this is deep <laughs> <laughs> i like it
0: yeah. that's
2: so cool thank you guys and and yeah i i think we are certainly we're trying to give our girls the best life that we can and we're trying to teach them and we're trying to make them strong as individuals right like it can't about us, the parents, we have to teach them because they're gonna go out on their own, right? Like I remember, I can't believe you're only 20 years old. That's that's crazy. And I mean, my daughter is 10, like she's way closer in age to you than she is to me. And it's not gonna be all that long before she's out on her own. And and Alvar, to your point, like flexibility, right? Like you use that word flexible. That is just such a crucial piece that people need to remember. Like, you know, again, going back to this is not zero or one, it's not not FI and phi. those are the only two options. It's you can do those mini retirements. You can just work a couple months a year. You can work part-time. You can do anything you want. Like, I mean, I could come up with a hundred different ways. Like, and also, frankly, like you can try, you could think you're at phi or think like, hey, I'm going to go, I, I don't love all these terms, but lean phi, right? And like, I'm going to have my expenses covered and then I'll just see what I can do. And you know what happens? Even in the worst case scenario, you have to go back to work or you earn a little bit extra money. But if you're flexible and like you said, if you're trying to build a business or build some passive income, like you can start putting a couple of these little things together. And all of a sudden, like, especially if your life doesn't cost that much, it really isn't that hard to do. And then again, you don't have to wish away your 20s and some or most of your 30s. And that's if you're lucky enough to have found this when you guys did, you know, so I think flexibility is probably the word that I use most often, I I would think, on the podcast as far as like how to succeed at FI is to be flexible, to make choices, right? Like life is about choices, but you have to figure out what works for you. And I mean, the three of us have taken different paths, but we're trying to make the best lives we can for ourselves. And I think that starts from education, right? So that's the starting point. And then you make the decision that works best for your life. And I don't think you can go wrong. Like, I don't think my way was right and your way is wrong or vice versa. Like, I think you have to figure out what works best for you. And in all honesty, like, had I known that your option was even plausible at 22, maybe I would have considered it. Right. So like, that's pretty cool. And that comes back to education. Like I was not educated on the fact that that was even possible guys. Right. And like this brings us all the way back to normalizing the conversation just by the fact that we're having this conversation and that many hundreds of thousands or hopefully millions of people are now getting into this five movement and having these conversations with their family and their friends. It's making this so that we can talk about it. And then you get this second generation, hopefully the third generation FI someday soon, and getting these people aware at a young age where they can make decisions that work best for them, as opposed to, hey, like with me, I had already went to a fancy private college and then had to go and get a job, right? Like, and again, I didn't even know there was another option. So yeah, I mean, you're opening my eyes to just how important
0: education is, even down to that level. Education. Wow, Brad! Thank you so much for that. And to slowly wrap it up now, um, I think for most of our listeners would also be pretty interesting to know where to find you in terms of podcast, website, Twitter. How can people get in touch with you?
2: Yeah, so that's a great question. I would say if you're you're listening to this, so you're a podcast listener, just search choose fi. So for financial independence, obviously, so choose fi. And a good place to start is episode one hundred. That's where we generally send people, but if you're already a listener of this podcast, you're probably going to like it. So just hit subscribe and who knows, start from the beginning or, or pick up from the most recent and, and pick a couple episodes that you like. It's, it's a conversation that builds on itself. So we try to bring in guests from all across, not only the financial independence world, but just across the spectrum of people who are trying to make their lives better and that are trying to make other people's lives better. So like, I'm not looking at financial independence as just just the money, I think that's way too narrow. So like we try to bring in people, life coaches and meditation experts and and all sorts of people that can help you just live a better life. So yeah, that's the easiest place to find us. We do have a website, choosefi.com, and we're on all the socials. The best place is our Facebook group. So we have a, a main Facebook group, but really probably the best place is like you said, there's now one in Belgium. We know there's one in Scotland and London and a bunch of countries in Europe. Just go to com slash local, L-O-C-A-L, and see if there is a chooseify local group in your area.
1: Awesome. Yes, we can uh, attest to that. The chooseify podcast is great. It used to have a great uh, show notes um, writer. So yeah, definitely uh, go check them out. So question number two, what is one resource not well-known, that's important, that you would recommend to others? That could be a podcast, a blog, a book.
2: That is a great question. So we recently had uh Jillian from the website Montana Money Adventures. So Montana, the US state Montana Money Adventures and she is wonderful. And she just produced an ebook that is right there on the homepage of her website released at the time we're recording this at the end of January and it is like a really nice way to just kind of set goals for your life and I just think she is Wonderful, and is is worthy of of your attention. So yeah, definitely check out montanamoneyadventures.com.
0: Great, thank you so much for that, Brett. And then the last question of today: What would be the number one actionable tip you've got for somebody on the path of FI?
2: Yeah, the number one actionable tip. So for someone already on the path to FI, would be a little different than I guess my my number one actionable tip generally would be just get a sense of where you are financially. I think I think this can be for people on the path to FI. It's like, understand where you are today and where you want to go, right? Like we spend so much money and we do it mindlessly a lot of times, even those of us on the path to FI. And I think just having like a real concrete knowledge of where you are and where you want to go can help inform That value decision, because that's what I look at spending as. Like, spending is a value decision, right? Do I value this ultimately more than my freedom, right? And that's not to say don't spend. I know that sounds a little extreme, guys, but you have to spend money. But it is that choice between buying that or saving it or any other choice, right? You're giving up every other possible choice by making a choice to spend, right? So that's a very long winded way of saying, I think it's absolutely essential that you understand where you are financially and where you want to go
1: love that we always love actionable tips so uh great great to hear that and that was our last question thank you so much brad i think personally i found it very uh interesting to especially from an american point of view because obviously you know financial dependence europe podcast we mostly interview europeans and we love to compare between europeans and americans and it's always crazy how Americans are more—I mean, how would you describe it? More, more extreme. open, yeah, I mean, not extreme, a, a little just, bit more open, more uh, excited about it. I don't know; it's it's, it's weird, but we love we love uh, interviewing um, Americans, and and we love how America is more like you know into innovation and and really seeking a better life for yourself. Uh, that's really we find that really interesting. So, thank you very much, Brad, and till next time, thank huh? You. Till next Scotland. Yeah, I
2: can't wait. That was a ball, and thanks again for having me on the podcast.
1: Thank you guys for listening to this episode. We hope you
0: learned something new
1: and enjoyed the show. You can support us by doing this.
0: Subscribing through your favorite podcast program and leaving us a review.
1: Following us on Instagram and Twitter at Financial Independence Europe.
0: Sending us an email with questions and feedback. We would love to hear from you.
1: All the mentioned articles, books and cool resources can be found in the show notes at financial-independence.eu
0: Thank you for listening and see you next time.